I'm treading out into one of the big throwdown questions for non-religious parents, whether or not to do this Santa thing. Now, some say the Santa thing is, it's a lie, plain and simple. I'll never lie to my kids, so I don't do the Santa thing. That's entirely fine. And others say it's harmless fun. That's also fine. I happen to have a third opinion, that the Santa Claus myth is a powerful opportunity. It's the ultimate dry run for a developing critical mind. But there's a right way to do it and a very wrong way. I want to look at both of those today. The difference hinges on the moment of the question. This is the Raising Freethinkers podcast. I'm Dale McGowan, editor and co-author of Raising Freethinkers and Parenting Beyond Belief, books for raising compassionate, curious kids without religion. In 1897, a little girl named Virginia O'Hanlon wrote a letter to the editors of the New York Sun newspaper. Dear editor, she wrote, I am eight years old. Some of my little friends say there is no Santa Claus. Papa says, if you see it in the sun, it's so. Please tell me the truth. Is there a Santa Claus? Virginia O'Hanlon The editor replied, Virginia, your little friends are wrong. They have been affected by the skepticism of a skeptical age. They do not believe, except they see. They think that nothing can be which is not comprehensible by their little minds. All minds, Virginia, whether they be men's or children's, are little. In this great universe of ours, man is a mere insect, an ant in his intellect as compared with the boundless world about him, as measured by the intelligence capable of grasping the whole of truth and knowledge. Yes, Virginia, there is a Santa Claus. He exists as certainly as love and generosity and devotion exist, and you know that they abound and give to your life its highest beauty and joy. Alas, how dreary would be the world if there were no Santa Claus! It would be as dreary as if there were no Virginias. There would be no childlike faith then, no poetry, no romance to make tolerable this existence. We should have no enjoyment, except in sense and sight. The eternal light with which childhood fills the world would be extinguished. Not believe in Santa Claus. You might as well not believe in fairies. You might get your papa to hire men to watch in all the chimneys on Christmas Eve to catch Santa Claus. But even if they did not see Santa Claus coming down, what would that prove? Nobody sees Santa Claus. But that is no sign that there is no Santa Claus. The most real things in the world are those that neither children nor men can see. Did you ever see fairies dancing on the lawn? Of course not. But that's no proof that... And so on. Now let's look at this thing. A little girl says, Please tell me the truth. In response to her direct request, the adult not only lies, but tells the girl that the world would be intolerable and devoid of poetry 
if this thing he knows to be false were false. And the world coos with delight. An actual study by the University of Montreal and University of Ottawa looked at the emotional responses kids have to finding out that there is no Santa Claus. 39% chose disappointed as the best descriptor for their feelings. Only 6% said they felt betrayed. The rest varied from indifferent to excited at now being on the other side of the curtain. Now, I'm guessing that the 6% who feel betrayed probably had their belief perpetuated beyond its normal course by their parents, or maybe by the editor of their local newspaper. I advise parents who do Santa to use a light touch and allow kids to find their way out naturally. That's the way my wife and I did it. And in the process, we discovered something powerful about the Santa story that I hadn't even thought of before I was a dad. It's hard to even consider the possibility that Santa isn't real. Everyone seems to believe he is. As a kid, I heard his name in songs and stories and saw him in movies with very high production values. My mom and dad seemed to believe, batted down my doubts, told me he wanted me to be good and that he always knew if I wasn't. And what wonderful gifts I received, except when they were crappy which I always figured was my fault somehow. All in all, despite the multiple incredible improbabilities involved in believing he was real, I believed. Until the day I decided I cared enough about the truth to ask serious questions, at which point the whole facade fell to pieces. Fortunately, the good things I had credited him with continued coming. But now I knew they came from the people around me whom I could now properly thank. Now go back and listen to that paragraph again, changing the ninth word from Santa to God. Santa Claus is the greatest gift a rational worldview ever had. Our culture has constructed a silly temporary myth parallel to its silly permanent one. They share a striking number of characteristics, yet one is cast aside halfway through childhood. And a good thing, too. A middle-aged father looking mournfully up the chimbley along with his sobbing children on yet another giftless Christmas morning would be a sure candidate for a very soft room. This culturally pervasive myth is meant to be figured out, designed with an expiration date, after which consumption is universally frowned upon. Now, I'll admit to having stumbled backwards into the Santa issue as a parent. My wife and I defaulted into raising our kids with the same myth we'd been raised in. Oh, I know, I know. Considering it ever so harmless and fun, neither of us had experienced the least trauma as kids when the jig was up. To the contrary, we both recall 
the heady feeling of at last being in on the secret to which so many others, including our younger siblings, were still oblivious. But as our son Connor began to exhibit the incipient inklings of Kringle Doubt, it occurred to me that something powerful was going on. I began to see the Santa paradigm as an unmissable opportunity, the ultimate dry run for a developing, inquiring mind. My boy was eight years old when he started in with the classic interrogation. How does Santa get to all those houses in one night? How does he get in when we don't have a chimney and all the windows are locked and the alarm system is on? Why does he use the same wrapping paper as Mom? All those cookies in one night? His LDL cholesterol must be through the roof. This is the moment at the threshold of the question, that the natural inquiry of a child can be primed or choked off. With questions of belief, you've got three choices. Feed the child a confirmation, feed the child a disconfirmation, or teach the child to fish. The Yes Virginia crowd will heap implausible nonsense on the poor child, dismissing her doubts with invocations of magic or mystery or the willful suspension of physical law. Only slightly less problematic is the second choice, the debunker who simply informs the child that, yes, Santa is a big fat fraud. Gee, the child can say to either of them, thanks. I'll let you know if I need any more authoritative pronouncements. I, for one, chose door number three. Some people believe the sleigh is magic, I said. Does that sound right to you? Initially, boy howdy, did it ever. He wanted to believe and so was willing to swallow any explanation, no matter how implausible or how tentatively offered. Some people say it isn't a literal single night, I once said, priming the pump for later inquiries. But little by little, the questions got tougher, and he started to answer that second part, does that sound right to you? A bit more agnostically. I avoided both lying and setting myself up as a godlike authority, determined as I was to let him sort this one out himself. And when at last, at the age of nine, in the snowy parking lot of the Target store, to the sound of a Salvation Army bell ringer, he asked me point blank if Santa was real. I said, what do you think? Well. I think it's all the moms and dads. He smiled. Am I right? I smiled back. It was the first time he'd asked me directly, and I answered his question. You figured it out. So how do you feel about that, I said. He shrugged. That's fine. Actually, it's good. The world kind of, I don't know, makes sense again. That's my boy. He wasn't betrayed. He wasn't angry. He wasn't bereft of hope. He was relieved. He was a very science-minded kid, and he understood physics and gravity and why the sky was blue, all sorts of things about the world. And then there's this magic man at the North Pole with the flying reindeer and the little elves that make the presents. 
Finally, we had gotten that one nonsensical piece out of the way and the world made sense again. It reminded me of the feeling I had when at last I realized God was fictional. The world made sense again. And when Connor started asking skeptical questions about God, I didn't debunk it for him by fiat. I did the same thing. I told him what various people believe and asked if that sounded right to him. It all rang a bell, of course. He'd been through the ultimate dry run. By allowing our children to participate in the Santa myth and find their own way out through skeptical inquiry, we give them a priceless opportunity to see a mass cultural illusion first from the inside and then from the outside. A very casual line of post-Santa questioning can lead kids to recognize how completely we all can snow ourselves if the enticements are attractive enough. Such a lesson, viewed from the top of the hill after exiting a belief system under their own power, can gird kids against the best efforts of the evangelists and far better than secondhand knowledge could ever hope to do. The Raising Freethinkers podcast is a production of Only Sky Media, exploring the whole human experience from the secular perspective. Visit us online at onlysky.media. Thanks for listening. I'm Dale McGowan. See you next time for Raising Freethinkers.